0: I'm a former accountant, was in corporate America for plenty of years. Always worked my ass off, but was never an entrepreneur, never really had an idea, but I always wanted to. He was a big, Shark tank guy. I always realized the biggest challenge most companies face was creating the right culture and building the right teams in, in their space. What I'm about to tell you, keep that in mind. We've never actually spent our own money ever in real estate.
1: How does somebody like you that has no prior real estate experience go from zero to one and then from one to 600?
0: I always laugh and say, we're not really a real estate company. We're a finance company.
1: What do you think about?
2: the current market with the rates about to go up.
0: The way you need to think about it is that real estate's permanent, the interest rate's temporary. Everything you do is about the cash flow and the deal itself. Our mission, our core purpose is build happiness and strengthen the community. You've got to take action. You don't get anywhere in life without taking action. The way that we look at it here, man, you've got to make mistakes. People are way more successful. They care more. They try harder and do more good if they're happy
1: what is up everybody? We are back today with another episode of the Fetch it podcast. We have Casey Quinn on with us today who is the Pittsburgh beast from what we just learned before we hopped on here so Casey, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself who you are and uh kind of how you got started in real estate investing
0: yeah man now first and foremost appreciate you guys having me on the uh on the podcast here uh happy to to share with your listeners you know what we're doing out here in the city the city of brotherly love out here in Pittsburgh the greatest place on earth as I call it right so <laughs> Yeah, a little bit about myself, man. I, I'm a former accountant, was in corporate America for, for plenty of years. Uh, you know, never, you know, always worked my ass off and apologize for swearing already, I guess, but uh, you're going to have to get used to that a little bit here. <laughs> um, always worked my ass off, right, but was never an entrepreneur, never really had an idea, right, Where, but I always wanted to. It was a big Shark Tank guy, etc. And, you know, I was my last kind of corporate America job, I was, I was traveling the country and consulting. And I was sick of, sick of fixing other companies, right? I was in finance transformation, right? And going around and helping all these other companies. And I wasn't getting anything out of it. My company was just getting paid and I was getting paid, right? It was kind of just the transactional um, job, if you will. Sick of travel, wanted to settle down, took a CFO job here at a local real estate company in Pittsburgh, which was my first introduction into real estate. That was roughly five years ago. Um, and it was a small, small investment shop doing a lot of bird model investment. And, uh, you know, I was only there about 10 months, you know, having been in corporate America for a lot of years. I was a big culture guy, seen hundreds of companies. And, you know, I always realized that the biggest challenge most companies face was creating the right culture and building the right teams in in their space. Right. And so only lasted about 10 months at at my company that I I took a CFO role here locally at and I got fired. Uh, I just didn't get along with the owner of the company and you know he wanted to do things his way i wanted to do them my way and we didn't mesh so i you know kind of rebuilt his back office got his financials in in, a good standing order hired a controller a couple staff accountants for his business and uh we kind of agreed hey listen uh this is my company so here's the door right and kind of give me the foot in the butt on the way out at that point in time right had no idea what was next uh had about 10 months of real estate experience kind of saw look this is really a vehicle to to be able to create and change the world, if you will. Right. And so I had this big vision and said, we're going to try to do this ourselves. Not, not, that wasn't right away. Right. So a couple of weeks into it, I actually started a consulting company, asked my wife for six months and said, Hey, I'm going to start my own consulting company in accounting. Right. And that's when I found my business partner who was a real estate agent at the time. And he knew the real estate side really well. I knew business side really well. And I started doing his books and we shook hands and said, this is stupid. Let's build a business, right? And so we took off. We bought our first property May 21st of 2019. Uh, We bought a 40000 We didn't have money, right? And uh, I just got fired from my job. And so the really cool thing about this story that I'll tell you is anybody can do it. We've used OPM, right? So other people's money. I've never spent a dollar on real estate. So... What I'm about to tell you, keep that in mind. We've ever never actually spent our own money ever in real estate. We bootstrapped it, we used other people's money from day one. Our portfolio now, uh, you know, a little over four years in, into the business here. We have 630 units total in our portfolio that consists of roughly, uh, you know, we're right around 200 single family homes in the portfolio and then the rest is multifamily, we have about 70, you know duplexes triplexes and quadplexes and then about another you know call of 30 to 35 properties that are all uh more commercial residential space right so your five plus multi-family buildings the largest one we own the largest standalone building that we own right now is a 43 unit building uh but we are uh, working an 81 unit deal right now which has a 50 unit building and a 31 unit building in it um that we will be syndicating uh shortly right so the way we scale was mostly using debt, right? Hard money, private money, and we've been able to scale more recently on some of the larger multifamily deals we syndicate. So we've done three syndications so far, uh, all more recently on the larger deals where we're able to actually give our investors equity and upside in the deal. Previous to that, we never really did that. Fully integrated shop, right, guys? So, uh, you know, from day one, it was about building the business and on the back of real estate, right? And so, I'm a big enterprise value guy from being in corporate America, from being an accountant, from being a consultant. It's all about creating the enterprise value of the business. And so from day one, it was around, Hey, we can use the real estate as a tool or a vehicle in order to build quite frankly, right for us, it's all about culture and building happiness. But on top of that, it's really about building the enterprise value, right? Your processes, how you run your company, the culture that you've created and creating that ability to say, Hey, we've, we have something that's repeatable. And then continue to just replace replace ourselves as we scale up right and so grow and create more of a a system and a process and people to do the work so we can continue to scale and ultimately create that enterprise value which is what we're after which is a real business and not just real estate investors right and so we're fully integrated as i mentioned so we have you know an entire front-end subsidiary company that handles all of our acquisitions and dispositions we have a property management company that manages our property right we have a a full uh, integrated construction company Right, because we're value add investors, so we buy everything that you know only if we can add value to. Because our goal is to get in the deal and out of the deal using someone else's money, and then using the bank monies on the back end and being uh, having a return of infinity. And so we do all the renovations ourselves in house between our you know our construction company or, our, or the Rolodex of subs through that entity that we have. And so we're you know fully integrated from that standpoint. And then last, we do own a brokerage out here as well. We uh, franchise the Remax. As I mentioned, my business partner was a real estate agent in his previous career prior to uh, being on the investment side. And he was doing roughly 12 million. We didn't think it made sense to to keep paying a broker. So we just started our own brokerage. And then uh, actually funny enough, right, a year in COVID hit, and so we all had to sit on our butts. Like we're not gonna sit on our butts and every real estate agent in the country is, is out of work. And so we went to, we, we hit the payment recruiting. And so we've, you know, that was the only time we've really recruited agents And we've built that up to 20 plus agents on the brokerage side as well. It's, it's more of a passive, um, you know, company and investment for us, if you will, we're not really actively agents. We're more on the investment side, but we do own the brokerage and, um, you know, preach building happiness and culture on the brokerage side as well. So, um. A lot more lot more to it, a lot more that goes on, but that's kind of the high level, if you will of the of the question you asked me of how I got started and where we're at today so I, lo- I love how that is the high level and <laughs> it just ran through like
1: ten different businesses, and like God knows how many houses that's wild man so I mean, the first thing that everybody's going to be like is how did he convince somebody and how did he convince, you know, private money lenders to lend him cash with no prior real estate experience? So was that more, you brought in a partner that was the real estate agent that knew the real estate world a little bit better. And then I guess maybe even before that, how did you get a position as a CFO at a real estate business with no prior real estate experience?
0: Yeah, good question. I don't know that I could answer the the second question effectively here, right? I mean, I think I think for me, I'm I'm an accountant by trade, right? So, you know, a lot of years in public accounting, I've always been really, really good at it. I'm a numbers man, but, you know, it's very rare. Well, I don't know if it's very rare, but I I haven't found a ton of what I'll call your traditional accountants that can also have really good relationship sales ability. And I think that that's kind of my uniqueness that I have that. And so I could sell well, if you will, right, from a relationship standpoint, and so i can interview well right i can talk relatively well and, and sell myself and sell my abilities and sell other whatever it is that that needs sold from a relationship standpoint and I, and I and quite frankly you know it was a smaller real estate shop you know i had 10 plus years of public accounting experience i've all the way from you know fortune 500 companies publicly traded you know down to to startups to, to airplane manufacturing companies and ton of experience there right and you know, this company was looking for a CFO, but a smaller company, and I, I took a massive pay cut to take the job in the first place, which is why, right when I went into the entrepreneurship world and we created our own company, it was even even scarier. I mean, we went, you know, my wife and I, we were engaged at the time, but you know, we were getting married when all this went down, and we were we struggled, man. I didn't have health care for over a year. Uh, I refused to like play basketball or do anything that could put me in jeopardy because number one, we didn't have a ton of money coming in the door. Number two, like we didn't have healthcare and different things. So we had to be very, very careful. We we were truly living that, um, you know, the the risky entrepreneurial life, if you will, for, for a good period of time there. Um, but why he chose me as a CFO, I don't know. I think I did come, I mean, clearly thinking about it right now, right? Like looking back, he made an amazing choice. He just didn't uh, kind of allow enough time to develop, if you will, right? It only lasted gotcha. 10 months. And you know it wasn't the work performance there it was more or less we butted heads a lot because of the culture right i just didn't believe in how he ran his company you know it, it just didn't align with my core values city Life's core values if you will and how we how we run our business and how we treat people uh right so yeah, I, cool. I, I don't, I don't know the answer ultimately
1: to how no, that's okay. I'm, I'm more understand. interested in the first question anyways, where I was like, how, yeah. How did, how did yeah. you guys then go from, what was the, the, uh, zero to one point for you guys? Cause there's a lot of people out there that are trying to do zero to one and they hear, you know, 600 some doors and they're like, oh, okay, this guy's, you know, way beyond what I could even try to worry about and then stop listening. But really like, how does somebody like you that has no prior real estate experience go from zero to one and then from one to 600?
0: Yeah, I think it's a combination. It's certainly a little bit of my business partner, right? Because at the time he was starting to try to figure out how to invest uh, as an agent, right? Agent turn, figuring out how to invest a little bit. So he had a couple connections in the industry. And when I came to him and we, you know, I started handling his bookkeeping form, that's how it originally started. And then a couple of weeks in, we're like, this is crazy, right? So he had some relationships in the industry and I knew accounting really, really well, right? So I knew how to put the package, the deal together to be able to show it and say, hey, this is why your money's safe. Right. And so our very first deal, you know, like I said, we bought a $40,000 single family home. We were able to borrow hard money on it. So we had a couple, we scrounged around a couple bucks together, right. To kind of pay our closing costs because he funded hundred percent of the acquisition. The reason he was able to do that and willing to do that for us was number one, I had already started the, the relationships on the back end with banks to be able to finance out. And I, you know, had that open and honest dialogue and discussions early on with the hard money lenders. Um, and number two, we were able to prove that the value of the property was actually a lot more than $40,000, right? So we said, hey, look, here's comps in the area. Here's why it's worth more. This is all we're asking for. And, oh, by the way, this was actually a rented, a rented property, right? So we're like, hey, look, here's a property worth like eighty grand. It's bringing in $1,100 a month already, and we're buying it for forty grand, right? Mm-hmm. And so we created that ability to kind of have the relationship sales of why it was safe, why it was a safe uh, investment to, to lend your money to us. And we would do that, and then we were able to get cash out on the back end, right? And then it was just rinse and repeat quickly, right? Create the relationships, really scrounge together um, opportunities, right? And we knew from day one it was all about scaling. We had to create scale in order to, to de-risk ourselves as fast as possible. Early on, it was difficult, man. It was, um, it was a lot of, you have to really understand the numbers. You have to know where your risk at and what the future is going to look like as far as uh, ability to get out of those deals, or not, right? And then and then knowing exactly where every single dollar you have actually is, right? And so the moment you're doing more than one deal, what money's in different deals? You know, what? I, I don't recommend this to anybody, but, you know, early on, we definitely don't do it anymore, but early on, we had to take certain risks. And so, you know, we might do three deals or have three deals on the table where we're saying, hey, look, this is a $45,000 renovation project, right? And total is going to be 45, but let's think about how we can kind of say, hey, maybe demo is going to cost us 15 grand, right? And demo really is only going to cost us five grand. And so we would be able to get and leverage some you know, 15 grand on a a construction draw, right? And get an extra $10,000 in our pockets, which we Mm -hmm. know we're going to use for that deal, but we needed it for another deal at that moment in time, right? But we know if we put it in this deal, we can cash out of this deal and then have the money coming back and push it back to that deal, right? Extremely risky, but the theory that we had early on was like, we don't have anything else anyways. What's the matter? Like we're <laughs> building from zero and from scratch. And so like, screw it. Right. Who cares? Yeah. Right. And so we would do things like that very early on. But the really cool thing that I would tell you is for, I don't recommend it to people that aren't incredibly good at accounting. Right. I had at this point, 12 years of accounting experience, right. I worked at a big four national accounting firm, one of the best in the world in accounting. And so I really, had the ability to know where those dollars were and then been able to kind of maneuver it as we needed. Right. That's one big thing. And then the other big thing is we just paid, <laughs> you know, our cost of capital for the year one was up in the mid twenties to thirties on every single deal we did. Right. And so, you know, you have people all the time talking about rate and how important rate is. And I don't disagree. Rates are really important. We've been able to really beat that down over the years, but for us early on, like we didn't care. You know we didn't care whatever money we could get our hands on you could have told me it, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg i probably at the time would have said sure here's my arm and here's my leg right as long yeah. as you give them back and so our cost of capital is extremely expensive early on right we're paying the hard money fees the points legal fees and appraisal fees and doc prep fees and right and people don't realize all those fees add up and i knew pretty quickly right that that total cost of capital was massive so i don't care what rate you're actually telling me the rates the most irrelevant part especially for us because we were doing deals so fast, right? And so we were pretty much had a goal to turn every deal we did in 120 days from the day we bought it to the day we refinanced it in the Burr method of of investing, right? And so like 8% rate or 12% rate is not a maximum difference compared to paying all of those fees up front, whether it's the origination points, the legal fees, all of that stuff. So my goal was really to knock all of that down cause that was making my deals really expensive. So over time, we've really focused on going private money. We've raised, you know, a ton of private capital in order to do our deals so that they're a lot cheaper.
2: Uh, how do you, um, you just said Burr Method 120 days. Can you break that down into teeny tiny parts for, for people that, that, you know, because, you know, everybody knows the Bigger Pockets book, the, the Burr Method book, I've read it. A lot of people have read it, they, you know, D- David's read it. Um, there's a lot of stuff in that book about like picking contractors and setting up your contracts the right way. And, you know, late fees and early, and, and early uh, they finish early bonuses and all this theoretical stuff that may or may not work in the real world. Yeah. How the hell do you, how the hell do you turn a deal around in 120 days reliably as somebody who's doing a development right now and managing contractors remotely, I can tell you how much fun I'm having can you tell us how sarcastic I am? So maybe talk, maybe break down your, your process a little bit into tiny parts.
0: Yeah. So I'll tell you this, right. For us, it was all about control. So we had to control the situation. Everything that we did, it was all about whatever way we could possibly influence anything we could possibly influence. We've got to figure out a way to do that. Right. And for us, first and foremost, cost of capital was the most expensive thing we did. People always look at these deals and Right. The, the simple answer is always like budget an extra 20% on construction, right. Or whatever else, you know, and think mostly about a construction side, while it's majorly important to us, cost of capital was by far and continues to be the most important piece to all of this. I always laugh and say, we're not really a real estate company. We're a finance company. It's really all (laughs) we are at the end of the day. Right. We're just using real estate as our vehicle to do that. Now we're a real estate company, obviously. Right. But it's, you know, it's arguably we're somewhat of a finance company too. Um, and so we knew the cost of every single day, like for instance, I knew early on the cost of every single day of the deal that we had was like $62. Hmm. And so every day I sat there at $62. Right. And so that adds up quickly. Right. So if you go from a four month project to an eight month project, if you take 60 some dollars a day, right. You know, the difference in an HVAC, you know, of, of three grand or 2,800 or 3,200, right? It's irrelevant compared to the cost of capital every single day, right? And so I always hear these people talking about, oh, I couldn't get an HVAC system and I, you know, I had it at whatever price and I waited an extra month to get it at this price. And it's like, you know, you don't realize how much you're wasting. But anyways, so- to take a step back, right? Really it was control, our, so we created a construction company right away, right? And so we controlled our labor, that was the key. And so we can control exactly when we start every job that we do, and we're not relying on vendors, if you will. Right? And so we, we created a construction company. We brought W2 employees in house right away. And so we were able to control our contractors immediately to be able to fix the projects and or direct them to other projects if needed on the drop of a dime, right? Where you can't call a vendor and they're there the next day. They're not reliable. But our guys were reliable because they were our guys, right? Wait. And so.
2: Can I ask you a question on that? I want to dig into the the weeds to to make this relatable to the zero to one guys. Yeah. When when you say you start a construction company, you've already accomplished so much. So to the people that have never done that before, that sounds like, whoa, how would I even do that? If I want to replicate Casey's model, I'm inspired by Casey. I'm maybe they're also a Midwest guy listening or gal like. What would you even do to to replicate that in maybe Cleveland or Columbus or Cincinnati or Indianapolis or whatever? Like, what kind of person do you look for? Maybe he works for another shop, and you're like, hey, what's up? You know, I like the Pacers. You like the Pacers? Like, you know, what 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 are the what are the skills? Because there are a lot of people that are going to watch this. They're going to say, damn, that Casey dude, he's uh, he's very relatable. I want to be like that. But what what is the th- What's the one thing they can build off of and then get to the next stool and the next tool?
1: Or maybe yeah, a better, better question, like who was the everything. first hire maybe? Like who was, who was the first person that after it was you guys, you were like, okay, we need to start integrating, you know, like for or like, you know, internally, who was the first hire maybe?
0: Yeah, I think early on, what, let me answer it a little bit abstractly then I'll actually get into what literally happened for us. Because I think what literally happened for us is a little bit different. Generally speaking, what I would tell you though, is when you're thinking about that first employee hire, like how do I go do my first job and, and hire a vendor, right? Most of the time, you're probably going to contract it out, but you find someone, you know, like and trust, right through the network and whatever neighborhood, whatever communities that you're in, especially with social media today and, and Facebook and all the Facebook groups and different things that are out there, like you can pretty much kind of tell who's reliable and who's not. So don't take whims on someone random to save a couple bucks. Spend the right, correct amount of money in order to do the job right by having trust in whoever's going to do it. If you're able to find a, a, an, off, an offshoot person or two, right, you know, tap into your own personal network. Like we all know somebody that's in construction or wants to be, needs a job, right, or is handy, if you will, right? And if they are looking for an opportunity for side work or whatever that is, like give them an opportunity if you know, like, and trust them. It's all about culture here at City Life. That's everything to us. And so immediately we were always looking to find the right people and then we would overpay them, right? You know, we continue, it's all about investment. We don't believe, you know, pay is a cost, it's an investment in our people. And we felt that way from day one. So we would always pay people, you know, more than we could afford, quite frankly, early on, knowing that we would reap the return of the deal itself down the line. And so that's a little bit more abstract. What we were able to do here at City Life was. It's actually funny, right? Because my partner was an agent for five years, right? And he Mm -hmm. represented so many clients. He had met a lot of different contractors, you know, that are out there. And so he had a couple guys that were starting to do some work for him, all 1099, right? Uh, Really small, kind of crafty, paid a lot of cash early on, right? Type people. And then the other cool thing was, again, because of the culture was so bad where I was, there was a lot of contractors that we had kicked out the door in my 10 months there. Well, the person that i am the type of you know guy that i am like while i was there for those 10 months guess where i was man i was out on the field a lot of times building relationships with everybody that i worked with just because i was a cfo and i was in the back office staring at numbers and trying to fix the books and records doesn't mean that i was too good to be out in the field meeting a lot of the guys getting to know them a little bit right and so what happened was when we kicked everybody when whenever you know i got fired and was like look I don't know how I'm going to make any more money. I had a house that I lived in at the time that I had bought through my job. Right. And I, me and my wife had moved. And so I'm like, well, I don't know how I'm going to make money. So I'm going to sell my house. Well, we had kicked out like four or five guys from the old company that I was at. And they were good dudes. Just again, culturally hated where they were at. And so either they left or fought and got fired, whatever. So I immediately called those guys like, Hey, I'm not there anymore, but I've got this house. I've got to sell it. Cause I don't have money. You guys want to do the work. Yeah. Right. So while they're there right they're working on that house all of a sudden what happened was we kind of created this company and said we're going to scale I said guys we're going to have a lot of work for you bear with me here boom we did the next house we moved those guys there still was 1099s right I was paying cash on the side right to, to get a good deal and then all of a sudden we're like boom hey we know we're going we figured out the buy side right and we want to move extremely quick and so hey let's bring these guys on as full time w2s let's start a separate construction company get our contractor's license hire these guys right guarantee them job that was the biggest risk for us was like you know we we went out on a limb and said hey look no matter what if we don't have the work for you we'll pay you anyways and we didn't we didn't have money right we we talked about this and so it was we really had to have faith that we would find the deals and we'd be able to refinance the deals on the back end and create the capital to continue to do these deals or get draw schedules right from the from our hard money lenders to be able to use that to pay them And so we basically promised them 40 hours a week and said, go do side work at the same time. We don't care if you want to make extra money, but also you're looking to buy a house and grow your life and grow your career. So we'll bring you on as W-2s. We'll pay you 40 hours a week. You've created real income. You're creating uh, legitimate tax-based income for yourself. You can still go make cash on the side and let's go. Right. And so we did that. And fortunate enough for us, we were able to kind of create scale relatively quickly in order to keep those guys busy full time. So uh that's how we did it that's phenomenal man uh uh, one one question
2: i have um is we talked we talked a little bit about burr and refinancing what do you think about the current market right now with the rates about to go up what do you think about that what would you tell the zero to one investor about the interest rates
0: yeah i mean look the way you need to think about it is a real real estate's permanent the interest rates temporary right Everything you do is about the cash flow and the deal itself, right? So all I would tell them is, look, the rates are what they are, but in order to be successful, you have to take massive massive action, period, right? And so just because the rate's seven or seven and a half or wherever you're going to end up getting it at right now, just because it was bad. By the way, the rates used to be here at one point in time before I was a real estate investor, right? But they were here and there were people successful. And guess what? Some people might be sitting on the sidelines because the rate is scary, right? Well... That gives you more opportunity to go find the right deal. You just have to underwrite the deal correctly, meaning find the right property to buy today, underwrite it to the interest rate, and go take action, right? That's that's what I would tell everybody today. I don't think the rates are relevant. Yes, it makes it a little bit harder. It has a lot of hedge funds on the sideline, quite frankly, right? And it also has a lot of buyers on the sideline too they are looking to buy their first home, right? Your retail buyers. And so it's just creating more opportunities because the sell side's coming down. The real issue was about eight months ago, when the rates doubled overnight and sellers didn't want to come off the original prices that they had because the market was going crazy for two years, sellers wanted literally like, give me a million dollars for my three-bed, two-bed in the middle of the hood. It's like a million dollars for your three-bed, two-bath in the middle of the hood, is it doesn't make sense, right? But someone would pay it, and so they were getting it, right? Well, fast forward from you know eight months ago, if you will, six to eight months ago, well, sellers have really come off that stance. And so there's a lot more opportunities now and for us right now we bought in q2 we bought 23 single-family homes and we've made money on every single one of them in q3 we're looking to buy another 25 right because again the sellers have come down we've gotten more thrifty in the communities that we're going into thrifty is the wrong the wrong word right but we've gotten more strategic in the in the communities that we're going into right we've pivoted a little bit to find the right deals we're not doing the bigger deals as much meaning the know $200,000 single family home we went into communities that maybe have a little bit less of a purchase price creates less risk where the delta or the the risk of leaving a ton of money in that bird deal is less um
1: so that's yeah. what i would
0: tell you tell you and tell everybody right like take action it's the only way you're going to learn if you mess up oh well because the price of that mess up number one you're still going to have real estate which time heals all wounds in real estate always and it always will so that one will heal number two The price of whatever that is, the education is way better, right? It's a massive, you're, you're winning real estate. That was what we kept telling ourselves, right? Like we're growing a real estate portfolio, but more importantly, we're getting an education right now that nobody else is getting. And the education is way more valuable than anything. And so it's a, it's a win-win, right? We're getting paid. We're getting paid real estate in order to get education or we're getting paid to get education. It's it's fantastic, right? So that was always my take and still is for anyone looking to get involved yeah
1: I I always think it's funny the the interest rate you know argument that people have and they're like oh well you know interest rates at 7.6 percent I can't make the deal work or something like that it's like well maybe that's not the problem the problem is that you need to be finding you need to be buying lower on these properties and figuring out a better way that you can actually like do these properties and if you're successful at 7.6 percent 8 percent interest rate whatever if the rate does come down to four or five percent something like that then you're going to be absolutely crushing it so really you're just getting a better education like you were saying than just getting uh, you know the easy education whenever in interest rates three percent and you can make just about anything work with a bur
0: yeah and I'll tell you this right it's it's even more of a, a little secret that is out there right when that does happen because it will happen at some point whether it's a year whether it's six months whether it's two years whether it's five years we don't know right but if we can get a deal successful in cash flowing at seven seven and a half, when those rates do fall, to your point, you're gonna not only are you going to get a great deal because the rates came down, you're going to be able to refinance, likely the value of the property has gone up a little bit, so you might be able to get additional cash out of that deal. But more importantly, when those rates dip back all the way down to where they were or fall, guess what happens? Way more people are buying. Well, when people are buying, guess what happens to the value of the real estate? Look what happened post-COVID, right? It went flying up in the air. That's going to happen again. And guess what? You're on the real estate now. So not only are you refinancing, the value of your property is taking off. And so you're going to win twice yep. in that exact same situation. Right. So, like, don't wait. Don't wait for those prices to come back down because now you're going to be in the same situation trying to buy and compete with a ton of people buying real estate at, at premium prices. Because rates are so low and they can afford, they have way more buying power because, again, they, the rates are lower, their, their monthly payments way less, and therefore they'll buy more especially yeah. the retail the retail clients right people looking yeah. to buy to buy homes to you know first time home buyers if you will
1: yeah, Yoni, do you do you remember the number we interviewed Christian? He's David Green's uh, partner at the One Brokerage. He was one of our earlier on podcasts, and I think that he said that the, with with the One Brokerage, with people that are like actively, um, they've already been pre qualified, they're already ready to go. Like they've checked their bank accounts, they've checked everything. I believe it was like 180 million dollars that just their brokerage has of like buying power sitting on the sidelines right now. Of people saying, I just want to wait until interest rates come down a little bit. So if you think about just that, just that brokerage has $180 million sitting on the sidelines for down payments for properties, I mean, that's wild. And so you, you think about the entire country, it's going to, like you said, when interest rates come down, even if they come down just, you know, slightly, like let's say it drops a point, I think people are going to be jumping in like crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, to, to that exact point, right, there's there's two things happening in today's market, which for folks, companies like my company and people looking to get started in the investment side, there's, there's really two things. Number one is that exact point that you just made where there's, you know, millions of first time home buyers or people looking to level up or, or grow because their family's growing and buy just traditional retail homes. Many, many, many of them are sitting on the sidelines from an affordability perspective, right? This millions, millions, right? Of people that, you know, might've been able to buy a $2,000 house. Well, now they can only buy a $100,000 house. And so they're just waiting, right? So you lose all of those folks. And then on top of that, most of your hedge funds, right? Most of your institutional investors, your, your big players out there are all also continuing to sit on the sidelines until rates stabilize. Mm-hmm. And so you have two massive buyers not, not in the marketplace right now, right? So obviously when, when demand falls, prices are gonna fall, right? And so not only that, there's such a more opportunity for us to get in and find these deals because we're not competing with anybody. Yeah. Right. So even more than anything now is the right time. Those rates, the higher to go, the more we should be diving in. We just got to sharpen the pencil and find the right deals. That's yeah. all there is to it. Right. And people are scared to do that. Right. Yeah. Two things really, detri- two things that are detrimental to everybody when it comes to real estate investing in anything in life. One is fear. And two is ego. If every day we can wake up and eliminate our fears and check our egos, man, the sky's the limit. Love that. So,
2: so, um, we know a little bit about your business, your strategy I, I, I still have some more business questions but you you you, you said the, the the million dollar word so I have to go in that direction. Ego is the enemy that's the name of a book um, very famous book um, you've accomplished quite a bit and a lot of people are trying to ch- chase after what you're doing uh, any, wherever they're located uh, you know not Pittsburgh but you know likely all, all over the, the country and um, how do you, stay uh keep your feet to the ground and how do you stay kind and how do you stay open-minded and how do you not shut people down that maybe are not where you're at I, i i'm sure you surround yourself by people that that are at your level or above you but how do you keep your ego on the bookshelf
0: yeah that's a good question uh number one I'll tell you this some days it doesn't seem real right so there's a massive uh, imposter syndrome that that lurks for me and probably everybody at the end of the day and um that's still real right and i've got to kind of punch that down often so I, I would start there but number two for me is is core values and you know i came from nothing and you know i'm going to leave with nothing and so the more i can create for other people the more that i'm going to create for myself I think those two things combined, again, with living our core values, and so we're extremely clear at City Life on a couple things: one, our mission, two, our vision, and three, our core values. We live those every day, and we always laugh around here because you know everybody says that. Every corporate company says that. Everybody has a plaster on a wall, but like it's such a disconnect most of the time between, right, the employees and whatever the hell it is that the company is trying to say. Like company meaning who is the company? Well, the employees. The family, right? Everybody comes to work every day, that's who the company is. And so that's what matters the most to us. And so it's very clear, right? Our mission, our core core purpose is build happiness, transform lives and strengthen the community. And so everything we do, everything that I do is to try to be in line with that exact statement. If we're not doing that, then we're not doing it right. And so we need to pivot and change. And so we've made mistakes for sure, but let's get back to the purpose of why we're here. That is our core purpose. And so we should always be doing that. Our vision is simply, right? It's tied back to real estate. We want to have to be the largest residential real estate investor based out of Pittsburgh. And we want to have a billion dollars in assets under management by 2030. So that's what we're after. Anything that's not focused on that, like get it away from us. We're not interested between our purpose and our vision. That's what we're doing. And how we live our lives is, is, is how we go about doing that, right? So we have four core values in our company. We live and breathe by this. We hire by it. We run our meetings by it. Everything that we do is based on core values. And I can promise you there's been people in this organization that are no longer here and they were our rock star talent, but they didn't fit the culture. And so they had to go. I mean, I've had conversations with people that I fired them on the spot and they were crying, but they were our biggest producer. They were our sales. They were bringing the dollars, but I didn't care. It doesn't matter. Our four core values are simple too. And we live by them. Let's go. That's core value. Number one, you've got to take action you don't get anywhere in life without taking action, period. The best part about it is you get such a massive education for all the action that you take. The way that we look at it here, man, you've got to make mistakes. You do not take action if you don't have mistakes. So our number two core value is extreme ownership. Own them. When you make the mistakes, just own them and get better. It's all about, you know, future focused and and, and owning. When we make mistakes, we own them. When we do great, let's high five. Let's own it. Like, we did great, man. We've got an $85 million portfolio in four years. This is amazing. <laughs> Let's own the shit out of that because it's awesome, right? So own everything that we do. Own our actions. The third, core value, right? The red sweater, Mr. Rogers. And you guys probably, have you ever heard of Mr. Rogers? Oh, of course. Yeah, right? So he's from Pittsburgh and he's a Pittsburgh native. And so the red sweater is a tribute to him. All that is, is like, be a good person, positive, good happy person. And we, I always say like, if you got to come to work today and you're not happy because you woke up, on, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, like just don't come like it's okay. Like there's no rules around having to come in city life. If you're in a bad, do not bring negativity into the company period. That's it. There's no negativity allowed because nobody wants to be around negative people. Positivity all day, create smiles all day, every day. Right. And then the last one's simple. We've got your back, right? So we've got to take care of each other. We've got to be in this together. It's about all of us combined one plus one is absolutely greater than two when we're moving forward and trying to build a billion dollar real estate portfolio. And so we've got to have each other's back no matter what. So those are our four core values and that's what we live by. Right. And so if we're not get out, we don't want you around. Every meeting we start with our core values, we hire, we have programs that we assess people based on it when they're not performing right? We, I mean, we run, you guys probably heard of EOS. I'm sure you've heard a lot of yep. people that run on that. We do run on EOS. And, but again, we, we evaluate people based on their core values. Like, are they living our core values? And the answer is no. Guess what? We're having a one-on-one sit down and we're going to discuss you not living our core values in your everyday life. And thus either you need to change that or you need to get out. Right. And so, um, that's how we do it. That's how we, you know, we live. That's how we scale. That's how we're building our company. That's how we kind of get rid of imposter syndrome, try to check egos at the door, eliminate fear, right? Because fear is just, uh, you know, mostly fears of the unknown. And so you've got to take action. The only way you know something is by doing it. It's the only way, right? Whether it's getting education, you better be reading, right? Well, we read too much. You've got to go take action and do something. So always be taking action every day, getting to the, whatever your goal is, start with that end in mind, work towards it massively every day so that's that's kind of how we do it this is phenomenal man like i i think this is probably the the
1: <laughs> yeah agreed this is probably the most in-depth we've ever gone with somebody on like their actual company and like how they run the day-to-day of things and i i can say with confidence after that pep speech i'm ready to move to pittsburgh and go work for city life dude because that let's was phenomenal go, <laughs> yeah,
0: man. i appreciate that let's go but listen it's not it's not just me it's not it's not um You know, we're, we're after something greater than ourselves, you know, we're after building happiness, right. And transforming lives. And it's, we're not brain surgeons, right? So let's have fun doing it, man. Like if we can have fun together, like I always say people, like if you have Sunday scaries, which was so prevalent, like in the corporate world, right. Everybody has Sunday scaries. Nobody wants to go to work on Monday. Like the moment you ever have Sunday scaries at city life, let's have a conversation. Why do you have Sunday scaries? And how do we eliminate that here? And maybe we can't. And that's okay because there's chapters in everybody's lives. And let me help you create non-Sunday scaries, whether it's here or somewhere else. That's okay, right? Let's be open and honest. Let's have really good, strong communication. Let's talk and let's figure out what's creating negativity or whatever that is, right? Because again, it's all about people. It's all about happiness and you have to build that. And People are way more successful. They care more, they try harder, and they do more good if they're happy. And so we can't have non-happy people in our company because they're not gonna be given their best effort. They're not gonna be at their highest and best use, whatever that is. And so it's, it's everything for us, right? It's how we've been able to scale. Because again, at the end of the day, it's not me doing all the work anymore, right? We have, we have a massive portfolio. We're, we're growing, we're scaling, we're buying 25 single family homes a quarter pretty much at this point. Plus, you know, we're doing multifamily deals, right? We're doing construction, property management, all these things. And so how do you how do you do all of that effectively? Well, you have to rely on people. Well, in order to rely on people, you have to make sure that they're set up for success. Being, making sure people are set up, for, set up for success is 100% about making sure that they're happy. Because if they're happy, right, then they're gonna wanna do good for themselves, most importantly, and then for everybody around them, right? And put food on the table for as many people as we possibly can, and build a better community to live in ourselves.
2: I want to I want to add something, Casey. So the way I would if I were to describe you after after talking, I would say you're a vertically integrated real estate business with a awesome culture, and 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 that you stick to it and you don't make exceptions. Um. One of the things that I I don't know if we have time to, to get into it, but I think you're probably a big systems guy because there's no way in hell you built up all these pieces of a vertically integrated monster and don't have systems in place. Do you, you want to just quickly touch on um, how you view systems? Because like at Fetchit, I can just tell you right now, what, you know, we're you know year one of the company. I'm trying to build automations for the for the digital marketing side down to the down to the product side we're about to release a new product on the site and there's a whole nother i'm trying to automate that make sure that like there's just checks and balances um but that's data and technology um how do you view this like monster that you're built that you've built and that you're building like how do you automate it so you can have a life you know
0: (laughs) yeah that's a good question I, i mean i think I'm absolutely a big believer, right, in in technology and and implementing that and creating automations. I I won't say that I'm not, right, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's everything for us. You know, our our people are everything for us, and it's always going to be the case, especially with what we do from a vertically integrated real estate company standpoint. So to me, it's about treating your people right first and foremost, right? And then how do we then leverage technology to allow everybody to do their jobs easier? That's the key to this way that it comes to that from as far as systems and processes i'm a huge systems and process guy absolutely right but i'm more around what is the ultimate way to be efficient but it has to be efficient and we have to understand the bottlenecks and we have to solve those before we can integrate any tech into the situation because i always say crap in is going to produce crap out no matter what system you use all of the time 100 percent of the time because again Whatever you're putting in there, the system's not going to fix it. Now, look, we got AI, so maybe AI is eventually going to be able to actually (laughs) fix this thing. But other than that, right, it's just a way to create more efficiency. And so we allow our people to go and do that on their own a lot of the times, right? And so we've we've tried tons of different systems, right? Whether it's, you know, project management systems, right? Our back end CRM systems, our um, ERP systems. We've tried a ton of that, right? But what I always tell people, the key is what is the actual workflow and how do we make sure that it's standardized, it's a good process, and we are eliminating the bottlenecks. When we have that, then we say, okay, great. How do we now put technology in place to make it even streamlined and make it even more efficient? Right. So that's always our goal, right? And so we've implemented a ton of tech into into our into our company, but it's certainly not anywhere near, right? You go to some of these conferences in different places where it's all tech based and it's all these crazy different tech platforms. Like we're not, we're not overly tech tech heavy here, man. We really aren't. We're we're people heavy. It's a, in my opinion, it's, you know, we manage real estate at the end of the day, right? We do investment, but construction's managing people, property management's absolutely managing people and managing tenants. And then finding deals and negotiating deals is also people-based. So it's an incredible people-based industry, no matter how much tech, right? You got all these wholesalers out there saying, I'm integrating all this tech and I don't even have to have a conversation. I'm getting 26 deals. I'm like, well, prove it, prove it, show me right? Because I don't necessarily believe you. Congratulations, but we're, we're focused on building happiness, right? And so we're focused on our people and and negotiating and doing those different things that create win-wins for everybody. Always. We always say here, we don't do bad deals for anybody. And so, you know, we're taking advantage of somebody. We're not interested in that, right? We want a win-win for everybody all of the time, whether it's a tenant, a seller, a buyer, our people, all of that, right? Tech helps, but you know, we're not overly tech heavy by any means. And, you know, we're looking at different ways to get more efficient when it comes to tech. But, you know, the route, quite frankly, we went prior to the true tech route is like virtual assistants, right? And so hiring people, um, where we're creating win-wins for them overseas, as well as here. And we're using people to continue to create the infrastructure that we need from an automation and a scalability perspective. So probably not the answer you're looking for, but it's just the truth of where we're at as a company. Again, we're only, uh, you know four years into this thing and we've been scaling like crazy so i'd, I'd be lying to you if i told you like heck got us there like we haven't had time right we're just so <laughs> focused on scaling and growing like our processes aren't perfect and we're okay with that because you know we used to say early on you know run full speed with your hands wide open like this backwards and you know whatever falls through your the finger cracks who cares they're not important enough to catch it right whatever you're grabbing is great let the rest fall through who cares and so Right. Progress over perfection. It's one of the sub bullets of our core values, like massive action, to make progress. Perfection's irrelevant. Right. I think tech's here to really come in and try to perfect things for you, you know, and so we'll get there. But for us, it's like, let's continue to take progress, massive action, scaling, creating better lives for people. And then we'll figure out the tech side as we go. It's fantastic, man.
1: Like you, you talk like you're somebody that's owned a company for 40 years, not four years, man. Like it's super impressive. It really, really is. And like, I, I, I guarantee that if I would go and I would, uh, you know, sneak into the back door of city life and pull somebody out in the alley and be like, Hey, how is it actually working here? I guarantee that each one of them would be like, dude, I freaking love this place. It's badass." So congratulations on building a really cool business, man. That's, it's fantastic.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. And we do pride ourselves on, you know, from, from, top down if you will even though I don't necessarily believe in titles and you know all these different things I think we all have the highest and best job and what should that be for all of us but um, we really do pride ourselves on making sure that everybody is happy in their job in their day-to-day life and so um, you know I would take and I do take massive pride that I think you're correct right that's, and that's awesome. a, it's, a, it's a huge pride of mine that I have to say right and you know maybe we have some people that aren't ultimately there but we do pulse surveys Right, we you know we do uh, town halls every ninety days, pulse surveys you know weekly. We're really always trying to engage and make sure we're understanding what our people are feeling and how they're uh, thinking and acting to make sure, to your point, right, that if uh, someone's getting sc- Sunday scaries, that that we're nipping that in the bud as fast as we possibly can because, again, like what's the point in living if you're miserable, you know? So how do we just create and build more happiness for everybody? That's our goal. And so we try to really focus on that as much as we can. And the, to, to your guys' point, right, the coolest thing about that is results come from it, right? Like they're performing better than they ever have because they're happy, they're excited to come in and, and crush their job and be motivated and win, right? Win into whatever it is that they're, they're trying to accomplish that day.
1: Yeah. Everybody wants a goal that like they actually want to uh, work towards and whenever your boss is like encouraging you to do it, it gives you the creative freedom to actually like tackle it and kick ass at it. Then, yeah, it's fantastic. So uh, I think we're going to pull into a few of our uh, closing questions. So one of the questions that I'm really interested to hear from you would be who is somebody in the business world that you look up to and kind of like see as a as an idol that you like to try and like integrate, you know, some of the things that they do. Is there some sort of like big name out there like the Russell Brunson's or the Brandon Turner's or the whoever of the world that you are like, yeah, we're kind of trying to emulate what they're doing.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this, right. I think, um, first and foremost, lots of them. And then secondly, none of them. Right. I think we, (laughs) we, we've really tried to create our own brand here culturally. I think that our, our culture is so unique to us that, uh, you have to be here to feel it. Right. And so to to get, to, to give you a name, if you will, uh kent clothier is my mentor my ceo executive coach we're actually now business partners together as well nice. um uh, you know i'm in the border mastermind you know big believer in, in all of that and so he's huge for me right uh we, you know we try, I try to really emulate a lot of things he does but i also make sure that i don't do some of the things that he does right that i find and um you know maybe not fitting to or conducive to what we're doing and that's okay because we're all very different unique individuals I'll tell you this right on, on the back of that. And it's a little bit long winded. I apologize, but you know, what, what I've learned the most ever in my career throughout, you know, my, I guess, 14 year journey, if you will, now is what I've learned from people making mistakes and not doing what they've done has taught me way more than what anybody ever has taught me by telling me what to do where they were.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: That's been insanely massive to me. And so like, even like Kent, right? Like when I watch Kent, Yes, more so with him specifically. A lot of good, good advice and good things that I take and implement, right? But there's also things that I watch. I'm like, yeah, that is not something we're going to do, right? And it's real time. It's, it's that value that shoots for us. And I've had way more of those people. You know, For instance, my old owner, my old boss, before I started City Life, I mean, we're in the same business. We do the exact same thing that they did. That's where I learned it for 10 months. But guess what? Every single thing that he possibly did culturally is exactly what we don't do here. And guess what? We are now a much bigger company, a much more successful company in four short years. He's going on year 15, right? And so what I've learned from it, I still say is the greatest 10 months of my life because of the education that I got was so massive of what not to do, literally, right? And so um, that's what I'll tell you. It, it, but to, to to kind of bring that point home, right? Uh, Eddie, who's a, also a coach of mine, he's he's Ken's COO and, and partner in a lot of things, he was actually out in Pittsburgh last week and we went to the pirate game and he toured our facilities and met a lot of people, you know, he, he gave me a compliment pretty much, you know, afterwards. And, you know, it was me, him and Ken on a phone call. And he said, you know, to Kent, like, it's, it's incredible when when you get out there and you get a part of city life You know, I was there for a day and like the feeling that I got there is different than any feeling I've ever had before in my life to the point where he's, he had four people from city life on, solicited completely that reached out to him on social media saying thanks for coming to city life spending your time here love whatever right various just nice messages to him right i'm like that was so cool to hear him say that to kent and um you know how he feels how we live our lives here at city life because it is different and it's about happiness every day right and so um but yeah kent kent kent's huge for me he's he's changed my life literally um more than anybody ever has in, in my life. Ken's changed my life the most. And so super grateful and thankful for that. And uh, ma- major shout out to the of mastermind for sure. Very cool. That,
2: that, that's, um, I just have a couple things to say about that. Um, I'm a large product. Everything that I've done so far has largely been from me, not, never saying it out loud, but watching people around me being like, not and this is a little bit more extreme way, not happy with the way think people do things. I never like tell them, I never bark at them, I never say anything. So when you t- when you said that, I can relate to that on a very deep level. So a lot of like my skills that have developed over the last two or three years have been because out of frustration that people that I thought I was supposed to look up to didn't have those. So um, I really relate to that. And the second thing I wanna say before I get into my question is, if you ever want to have two guests from the Midwest at City Life, happy to drive to Pittsburgh, David and I. Uh so just shout out. We'd love to see this culture in person whenever you do one of those town halls. You're uh, welcome, man. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Um uh, so my next question is you talked a little bit about books earlier um in the pod. You talked about toggling between books and massive action, which is something that I uh which is I something that I do a lot. I'm a big reader. I actually posted about it today on my socials. Is there a book that really inspired you or had a big impact on you in the last few years that you think would be worth reading for everyone else? Maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a book, but um, worth sharing for everybody?
0: Yeah. Uh, the book that changed my life is Traction, right? EOS, um, you know, how to fundamentally run a business for me. I was a consultant. And by the way, to your point earlier that you said about just you haven't done anything but learning what not to do, that was the biggest difference between me and you is I would always do something or say something, which always put me in bad situations, (laughs) right? And why, uh, you know, my dad used to tell me that I have to run my own company because I don't listen. to I I just refuse to listen to people that are, are doing telling me to do something wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and so my
0: entire career in corporate America, I just refused, right? Like, if it's wrong, I'm not doing it. You're not going to make me do something that's wrong. Like, I'm just, I refuse, right? It's not the right answer. And so we got to get to the right answer. And it's up to you to have a conversation with me for us to get to that correct answer. Otherwise, if it's a, you know, it ter- it just turns into an authority thing. And I just refuse authority. If you're going to try to get to the wrong, if, if, it's, if the answer is what you're saying because of authority, it's the wrong answer. It needs to be the right answer. And that's also what we have at city life, right? It's like my answer's not the right if my answer's not the right answer, then we don't go with my answer ever. Right? It's what is the right answer? That's all that matters. I don't care if you're, you know, two months out of college and I'm fifteen years into this thing, like it doesn't matter. If your answer is better than mine, we better be going with your answer, or I'm doing something majorly wrong. But traction, man, on the book side, traction changed my life. We're we are huge believers in EOS. Uh, when I read that book the first time, I'm like, this is everything I've ever imagined. I just never put it in a paper or like realized how to actually do this. And so it's everything we thought of. I'm a new, you know, I'm four years into running my own company, uh, you know, executive CEO, co-founder running this business, right? Like, I don't know what I don't know. So finding books that can create, help me create structure and take action in order to do something and win and create accountability. You guys mentioned it earlier, right? Like people want to be held accountable. Like the good people that want to win, they want to be held accountable because they want to know that they won and like what winning means and how, how you can create that and then hold me accountable and make sure I'm doing that. Big sports guy, ride right, played in my whole life and team sports. And so it's a part of that feeling that I have. So uh, Traction. Traction is the book that I would say has changed my life. And then the entire series off of that, right, I have um, the newest one they just came out with, which we talked process earlier. So they just came out with this fourth book, right, they've got... Um, Traction, uh, they're they're all right over here. Traction, uh, rocket fuels the other really good one. How to be a great boss, uh, process. So all the all those books by Gino Wickman, I would tell you is, you know, life changing uh, in this industry.
1: Isn't that wild that like for $25, you can get inside somebody's brain and just figure out a totally, you know, fantastic way of doing something for like the people that don't read. It just blows my mind how it's just like they, they're not willing to spend like 20 bucks and, you know, a few hours of their time to get inside the mind of somebody that's a genius at whatever they do. Like that that just seems insane to me. By the, and
2: by, and by the way, one thing like David and I started reading a lot of the same books and now we're collabing. Like, how do you grow this? 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 How else would we have sped up our growth process? So I love that you're looking over at your bookshelf. I wish I could see it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I had not change offices recently, so I just put them there, but so it's not organized. Otherwise I'd move the camera and show you. So next, next time we get on this, I'll, uh, beautiful. All be right. So,
1: this, um, Oh, sorry. So last question then that we always ask people is, uh, what uh, sort of troubles or struggles are you possibly having in your business right now? And how do you think the listeners could potentially help you guys at city life out? And what's the best way for people to follow you and connect with you?
0: Yeah. Biggest troubles. Right. So we, you know, we hit a glass, we hit a ceiling, if you will, right. Months ago. And so we've, we've really focused more recently on leveling up our talent here. And so we've, we've really went out like, so hired a brand new uh, integrator for our EOS model. Our chief operations officer is really gonna kind of come in and take over the reins of running the day-to-day of the company so that I can help, uh, you know, kind of move more into the true CEO role and scale the company. Uh, We recently, you know, we've really kind of revamped our entire executive level team. and So we've, we hit that ceiling. We really struggled, right? The rates, the rate environment kind of hurt that, right? We were all over the place trying to create revenue everywhere we could. And, um, you know, through the help of mentors, through the help of Kent in the boardroom and, they're doing we've got really shifted back to just core focus like what is our focus or again what's our vision a billion dollars in real estate right and so why are we doing 19 other things it makes no sense so we cut out a lot of those different things but that's we're, we're continuing to go through a lot of the change management so that's probably a lot of the um the struggle here as far as how people could help us with well, that being said we're, we're scaling you know we're back to figuring out the model of which is hey uh, single family homes only, and then multifamily syndications. It's really the only thing that we're, we're massively focused on. Well, in order to do that, we need additional capital, right? So we need more investors. So anybody that's out there looking to passively invest, um, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know what we're all about. If, if if that resonates with you, we would love to, uh, have a conversation and see if you're interested in passively investing with us and, uh, building the greatest community on earth here in Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, that would probably be what I would say the easiest call to action for us and how to help us uh, do what we're doing. Or if you're in Pittsburgh, right, and you're looking for the greatest place to work in the world, give us a call <laughs> as well. We're always looking for more talent.
1: And how so do you best find best me? Way to uh, get a hold of you.
0: Yeah, you can get a hold of me. I'm on, you know, mainly on Instagram at, at Casey Ryan Quinn. Uh, we have a website. So if you'd like to you know, get on my calendar and have a call, certainly jump on the website, CaseyRyanQuinn.com. Uh, you know, we can get get something set up there. City Life Residential is the name of our business, and so cityliferesidential.com. You can also get a hold of me and my team there. Uh, you know, we have a bunch of websites spun off of that from leasing and all that. But I would tell you, you know, my, my Instagram uh, or my, my website or the company's website would be the three best. We're also on Facebook and TikTok and, uh, you know, LinkedIn and all, all of the various sources with either, you know, me specifically, Casey Ryan Quinn, or uh, City Life Residential is our tag for, for the business itself
1: awesome dude awesome all right everybody go out there give them a follow and if you got a big chunk of cash uh send it over to city life because they seem like they're good hey listen good it doesn't good have good a big
0: chunk of cash i'll tell you really quick <laughs> if you don't mind yeah sure biggest piece of education that i could ever give everybody out there is people think you need massive amounts of capital in order to invest take a really quick evaluate your own life right whether it's you getting in on your own but if you have a full-time job and you can't Right, or you just had kids, or whatever the circumstances create, you don't need a massive amount. It could be a 401k, it could be as little as 25 grand, 20 grand, 10 grand. Right? You can get into a lot of different investment vehicles and strategies and find the right people with way less capital than you think. You know, many of our investors aren't who you would think they are, right? You immediately go to big expensive doctors and all these different people. No, most of them are the average, you know, me five years ago, right? Just an average dude doing an average job in an average world right? That are investors. So, um, you know, you don't need massive amounts of capital to to get going. Take action is what I would tell you, whatever it is that you want to do, though. That's That's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, because I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of people think they gotta have this you know, massive chunk, but it's like no, most people like they invest in the stock market or invest elsewhere, like you know, uh, Bitcoin or whatever. It's like no, I would rather, I would much rather invest my you know money if I had you know an extra twenty k sitting around. I was trying to figure something out to do. Do I want to put it inside the stock market right now that is very shaky, or do I want to put it with you guys where I feel much more comfortable? So
0: much rather with yeah, you guys. And, and most most one of the other big things people don't know is. 401ks, you can invest 401ks in real estate, right? Through self-directed IRAs. Yes. And so so many there's there's it's one of the biggest untapped uh you know sort of dollars, right? These these firms are managing billions of dollars of people's 401ks. The moment you leave a job, you if you leave your 401k there, you move it into like a, a normal fidelity, all of that money, all you gotta do, it's super simple to move it into a self-directed IRA, then direct exactly where that goes, whether you want to invest actively or passively. That capital is huge. I've talked to probably 10 people in the last three months that have old 401ks that aren't their current job and their current 401k, but it's just an old one that's like, oh, wow, I never knew that. And oh, by the way, I've lost like 12% over the last two years in the market. I'm like, well, we can guarantee you a specific rate through investment with us and it's it's fixed and you're guaranteed a return, right? And so uh, that's, that's a massively untapped pool for a lot of people that have those. And um so just another piece of advice, right, if anyone's interested in, and has those, to uh, they can invest it, whether it's with us or with anybody, right? It's just an opportunity to invest it, so... Absolutely. Love that. Yeah. That's actually, I think
1: Sarah King talked about that as well. It's a very, very interesting thing that you don't really hear many people talk about it. And it's, it's such a great way to like take that money that's sitting there and literally doing nothing, but just kind of floundering around and you can actually direct it towards something that you think is more promising. So yeah, it's a great strategy. Well, okay, Casey, we will be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. We really appreciate it, man.
0: Yeah. Thanks guys.